Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is December 6th, 2021, and our first story. New York City has announced the most draconian vaccine mandate we've seen in the country. All private sector workers will be required to have two shots, and children aged 5 to 11 are now required to get at least one dose of the vaccine. Riots have been breaking out in Europe over COVID lockdown, so we'll see what happens here in the U.S. In our next story, Alec Baldwin, in an interview, seems to have incriminated himself. And in my personal opinion, we'll break this down, I think, I think this may be an intentional killing. And in our last story, Jussie Smollett failed to get a mistrial in the most ridiculous trial I've ever read about in my life. It seems like Smollett is going down in flames and may be found guilty as early as tomorrow. Now, before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars and tell your friends about the show. It really does help. Now, let's get into that first story. New York City has just announced the most draconian vaccine mandate we have seen yet in the United States. In New York, you will now be required to have two vaccines, as will children ages 5 to 11, if you want access to any public accommodation, with some exceptions. And Bill de Blasio has announced all private sector workers must be vaccinated. This goes well above and beyond what the government has the right to do. And it's unsurprising. We've been saying for some time this was going to happen. They started by saying just one one dose of any vaccine and you're good to use the facilities in New York City. That is to say, if you have an ID on you and your vaccine card. Now, there's been reports that many businesses have not really been enforcing this, but it seems like it's going to continue escalating anyway, especially with news of the Omicron variant. Now, they say much like Delta and those before it, COVID seems to be getting less deadly, but more transmissible, which makes sense. This is the path of a virus. However, the media will still drum up fears. You will still get this from many politicians. And now they're going to escalate their ability to control you. In Germany, for instance, the unvaccinated can barely leave their homes. They're locked out of public accommodations. Hey, much like what New York City is doing. When Germany and Austria announced they were locking down the unvaccinated, It sounded different to what we were already seeing. No, it's basically a vaccine mandate. And now in Europe, they're discussing compulsory vaccines. I think it's only a matter of time before we see that here in the U.S. Now, what New York is doing, in my opinion, is unconstitutional. 
And we've got some interesting news. Joe Biden has been losing on this front. There's been there's been several court rulings saying you can't mandate federal workers or healthcare workers. And because of this, a major hospital network in Florida has announced they are suspending their vaccine mandate for employees because the federal government doesn't have the authority to actually implement this. We're now hearing that Manchin of West Virginia may vote with Republicans, 50 Republicans, to do away with Joe Biden's vaccine mandates. Now, I will stress this as I do in most of these videos, and, I'll, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a progression of the conversation. I'll say this. Whatever you want to do with your health is between you and your doctor and not me or anybody on the internet or Fauci or Joe Rogan, because your medical history is unique to you. I, thir- I certainly think it's fair to say that the vaccines work exactly as described. Now, I can already hear people commenting and typing away saying, Tim, you're wrong. The efficacy. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Bear with me. That's exactly as they've described it. We're hearing reports out of Israel that they're now saying they think people should have a fourth booster shot. It is described as such as reducing transmissibility, reducing severity. I have personally witnessed that and also that its efficacy is waning. And now we need booster shots. And the Daily Beast ran that article I've cited 50 million times saying it's actually a three dose vaccine. How long until New York says the exact same thing? So I think the vaccine is doing exactly what's being said in the media. Efficacy is waning. We're getting more breakthrough cases. People who were vaccinated earlier in the year probably need booster shots. And so ultimately what it comes down to is that's exactly what's in the news. And that should inform your decisions however you choose. I won't tell you what to do. I'm not an expert on science or medical or anything like that. I can only read the stories and read the studies. I'll tell you what I am an expert on. Freedom in America. Sort of. I'm not even the best expert on any of those things, but I am someone who can speak to this. And I'll put it simply, policy-wise, this is a failure, a mistake. It's unconstitutional. And just and, and we're now watching Bill de Blasio try to implement what the federal courts have already said Joe Biden cannot do. So where are the courts to shut down what New York is doing? Vaccines for kids ages 5 to 11. Two doses. Let's read the news. And we also have big news out of Europe. Riots have been erupting over this stuff. So, yeah, I probably shouldn't bury that. But I, I do think, you know, what's hitting uh, here at home in New York is, is, is slightly more important because, well, I'll be honest. I'm looking at the news and I'm like, riots in Europe over COVID lockdowns. It's pretty important. New York requiring two voices for even children and the private sector. Well, this affects us a lot more. And more importantly, this means that 40.2% of Americans will not have access to New York City public accommodation. And that means just around 30%, uh, a little bit more than 30% of New York residents are being locked out. And they're mostly black residents. So let's make that clear. And before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member and support our work. All of this stuff that we're doing, it is supported because of the TimCast.com members. And you get access to our exclusive members-only segments from all of our shows. We launched a new show on pop culture. We'll talk about movies and trailers and all that stuff. And of course, we have the TimCast IRL podcast members-only segments. We have hundreds behind the scenes, uncensored, all that good stuff. So please become a member at TimCast.com. Support us. But don't forget to also subscribe to this channel. Hit that like button and share this video. Let people know what's going on because my friends... Now, they say that they say the night is always darkest before the dawn, but it is getting pretty dark. And I'm looking forward to that dawn coming many minute now. From NBC New York, NYC expands vaccine mandate to whole private sector, ups dose proof to two 
and adds kids 5 to 11. They say all private sector workers in New York City will be subject to the mayor's vaccine mandate starting December 27th, affecting 184,000 businesses, while vaccine proof for indoor dining, fitness and entertainment will be required for children ages 5 to 11, according to a toughened vaccine mandate announced by Bill de Blasio Monday. The current rule will also expand to require two vaccine doses instead of proof of only one. As far as people age 12 and older are concerned, the mayor said that excludes people who were vaccinated with Johnson and Johnson single dose shot. Wow, man. They said one and done. Remember that? Which one are you going for? Pfizer, you got to get two shots. But Johnson and Johnson, one and done. Now they're saying, what is it, like two months after getting Johnson and Johnson, you got to get a booster and Pfizer and Moderna six months. In Germany, they're saying your vaccine passport expires. Some people have told me it's six months, but they're saying you have to renew your vaccine every nine months. So perhaps if you like after six months, your vaccine passport expires, you have to go and get a new one and like, okay, you're within nine months, so you're good. It's not going to end here. They keep saying it's, 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 a, it's a carrot on a stick and they're behind us dangling the carrot saying just a little bit more for your safety. And then everything can go back to normal, but it's not happening. And I think if you think it is going to happen, you're being naive. Now they're going to say kids aged five to 11 only need to show proof of one dose. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's a correction. One dose when the requirement for them kicks in on December 14th, considering they only first become eligible for their initial doses in early November and must wait at least 21 days between Pfizer doses. De Blasio hinted late last week that changes to the city's vaccine policies will be coming soon, given the latest challenges posed to the city's ongoing COVID war. He said more measures may be imminent as far as vaccinations go, too. I want to make a few very, very important points. We've seen a lot of stories about breakthrough cases, and there's a meme. I, I even posted the meme where it's a clown, and it's like, got my first dose, got my second dose, got my booster, and he's putting the clown makeup on, and it's like, tested positive for COVID. This, to me, is completely in line with everything we know about the vaccines. When we all got sick here, we had some breakthrough cases. Interestingly, one, uh, one breakthrough case, which was like moderate, uh, it wasn't severe, but it was, like, it was like bad sickness, painful, was someone who, who got the vaccine a while ago. So like back earlier in the year, which makes sense based on what they've been saying about waning efficacy and the need for a booster shot. And then we had another person who got the sniffles, basically, and they had been vaccinated only like a month or two ago. So I'm like, you know, they still got sick. That is in line with what they've said. They've never said the vaccine the, the, you know, will prevent you from getting COVID only that it dramatically reduces it and that it reduces the severity of symptoms. Then they came out and said, you know what? Efficacy is waning. We're going to need, you know, boosters. And here we are. Israel's talking about fourth and maybe even fifth shots. In the U.S., they've already stated in the press three shots. None of that to me is anything having to do with an argument, because I'll tell you this. I don't know if, if that's what the media has been saying. Sure. I went to a doctor and they gave me monoclonal antibodies and I got sick. And I will also stress, yo, worst illness I've ever had, hands down. I didn't think so at first. I was like, it's not so bad. Man, it was crazy. No joke. And I don't even know what variant this was. Because if they're saying that like Omicron is less deadly and I don't, maybe I had Delta or whatever. If Alpha was worse than that, it is bad. I got to be honest. I still feel it in my lungs. I have tested positive for the antibodies. I have tested negative, so I'm in the clear. I'm fine. I've been having a good time. I was skating a little bit the other day, but I can still feel it or I can still feel something. 
So I'll tell you this, man, you definitely want to take it seriously. And I'll, and I'll tell you this too, that personal experience lends to an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing in these cities, but they're wrong. I'm sorry. It's just reality. They're wrong. You want to say you want to slow the spread and all this stuff, and this is serious. I totally get it. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. But we have monoclonal antibody centers. You know, Florida is doing a fantastic job. You need only look at Florida to understand why the fear and panic is not working for these blue states and cities. And it appears to me that they are exploiting this for political power. Because you look at Florida and things are going pretty well. Here's a quote. We've got Omicron as a new factor. We've got the colder weather, which is going to really create additional challenges with the Delta variant. We've got holiday gatherings, de Blasio said Monday as he announced the mandate on MSNBC. We're in New York City. Uh, We in New York City have decided to use a preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop further growth of COVID and the dangers it's causing to all of us. Now, there's some factors to consider. It is warmer in Florida. Maybe that plays a role. We've also seen this year we've had more COVID deaths than last year. Some people have said, well, that's because we ended a lot of the lockdowns and restrictions. And with the vaccine, we've then opened up businesses and people aren't wearing masks. But that argument doesn't factor in that the vaccines should be reducing the amount of cases. So at the very least, we could say we had the same amount. No, it's only gotten worse. And that's cases, mind you. I think you take a look at the states that have been less restrictive. Many of these southern states. They seem to be doing a lot better. Now, it could be that because it's warmer out, people in Florida and other southern states are going outside more. So they're less likely to be in a room with circulated air. Don't ask me. I don't know. And because of that, I ultimately just fall on the side of it's between you and your doctor. I'm not here to give you medical or financial advice. Have you seen the crypto market lately? Don't take any of that stuff from me. I can only show you what's going on in the news and give you my thoughts and opinions as it pertains to that. But I'm not, I can't tell you what to do. Now, we have this here from Mayo Clinic, U.S. COVID-19 vaccine rates over time. We can see that as of December 5th, 2021, fully vaccinated is at 59.8%. That means in New York City, 40.2% of this country will not be able to access public accommodation. And that, I believe, is wrong. If we also scroll up to uh, this map here, we can see even in New York, it's at 69.1. That means 30.9% of New York's New York state residents will not be able to get this vaccine. And I think that is just absolutely insane. Now, we don't have uh, singling out New York. It's probably high for New York. But what happens if you live just in upstate New York? You can't go to the city. That's nuts. Well, 
Here we go. Advent Health suspends COVID-19 vaccination requirements for employees because it's unconstitutional, because Joe Biden doesn't have the right to do it. This is wesh.wesh.com. Advent Health will no longer require employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine. The hospital made the announcement after a federal court ruled the federal government couldn't enforce such mandates. In a statement released by Advent Health, the hospital says it will no longer mandate the COVID-19 vaccine for employees after a federal court blocked the Biden administration from enforcing such mandates earlier this week. Quote, I think what companies are doing is they want to see how this plays out legally in the courts, said Anthony Hall, a lawyer for the, uh, a lawyer at the Leach firm. Ever since the vaccine became available, there's been a legal fight over whether or not the government or private companies can mandate it. Well, take that precedent to New York City and tell them what they're doing is unconstitutional and in violation of the courts, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe you'll have to sue them. Maybe that's what will be what will happen. But I'll tell you what the game I'll tell you the game. Joe Biden mandated these vaccines by press conference, not by decree, because he wanted people to believe they'd have to do it no matter what. Then once everyone goes out and says, fine, because their businesses are saying you have to do it, he's created a workaround. His decree is not legal. It's not constitutional. The private businesses say, well, you know, we have to do it. Thus, the employees are, are obligated by the business. And then a couple months later, the courts say no. The business says, oh, well, you know, I guess we can't. But how many people already were forced to do it? I'll put it this way. If this happened to me, if I worked for a company, I would file a lawsuit and say they threatened us with our jobs and we underwent an irreversible medical procedure based on an unconstitutional order that shouldn't have ever been in place. And the, the, the business implemented this without being near any deadlines. I would absolutely sue for damages. I know maybe it's not possible, but I'd push for it at least. Maybe that's something people can do. Now, we got some more good news. Senate set to vote on bill barring Biden vaccine mandate likely to pass with Manchin support of all people. Glad Manchin's there, I guess, but he may as well be a Republican, I suppose. But not that it really matters what party you're in. It just depends on where you vote. Fox News reports the Senate is set to vote this week on a resolution to nullify President Biden's vaccine mandate for private companies as Republicans and at least one Democrat push back on the administration's rule requiring vaccines or inconvenient testing rules for workers at large businesses. All 50 Senate Republicans, led by Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, backed a challenge to the vaccine mandate last month under the, con under the Congressional Review Act. That law allows Congress to officially disapprove of an executive branch regulation via a resolution passed through each chamber. Senator Joe Manchin said last week he also supports the Braun resolution, quote, I do not support any government vaccine mandate on private businesses, Manchin said Thursday after voting against an amendment to a government funding bill that would roll back public and private vaccine mandates. Senator Mike Lee of Utah and a handful of other Republicans forced that vote in exchange for expediting passage of the funding bill, but they got no Democrat support. Republicans also think Kirsten Sinema may vote for the Braun resolution. She declined to say whether she will vote for it in an, in an interview with CNN last week. Senator Steve Daines of Montana is also pushing his Democrat counterpart from Montana, Senator John Tester, to join me in my efforts to block all of Biden's mandates. The Braun resolution only needs a simple majority to pass the Senate, which means the bill will likely succeed. Rep. Fred Keller of Pennsylvania is leading companion legislation in the House of Representatives, which his office said Friday has 206 co-sponsors. Co but House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy 
said, Cal uh, said sorry, from California, said Friday, it is unlikely the bill would come for a vote in the House with Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi in charge. The challenge is how you bring it up on the floor. We are not in the majority. We don't control it. Even if Republicans and potentially a handful of Democrats manage to force a House vote on the CRA resolution, such resolu resolutions are subject to a presidential veto. And it's highly unlikely Biden would sign a bill canceling a rule he ordered his administration to make. It'll come up again like, uh, likely, it'll come up likely again next week with the Congressional Review Act resolution of disapproval, Lee said Thursday. That's sufficient, of course. One of the defects with the CRA is that the Congressional Review Act resolutions of disapproval are subject to presidential veto. So the same president who abuses his, his executive power as the president has with these mandates is certain to veto. So that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge in stopping these mandates. But I will tell you, the courts seem to be saying no outright. And those who oppose government overreach may actually win on that front. But let me show you how far it goes with Joe Biden. Biden's COVID SAR suggests pandemic restrictions will end once, quote, the rest of the world gets vaccinated. Now, I think this is a bit of an exaggeration from RNC research. Let me just show you exactly what they President, say. It's been clear from the start to protect the American people. All right, it's a little bit quiet. He says to protect the, the American people, we must end COVID. And I'll, I'll play it real quick. That means we must ensure the rest of the world gets vaccinated. That means we must ensure the rest of the world gets vaccinated. He didn't come out and overtly say, we're going to be locked down until the entire world is vaccinated. He said, protecting the American people means vaccinating the rest of the world. Broad uh, overreach there. Uh, COVID-19 response from uh, White House. That to me is insane. It's not a responsibility to go vaccinate the rest of the world. I mean, we're going to be heading to sub-Saharan Africa with massive vaccine doses to be giving out to everybody. Look at what's going on already. We, we need boosters. So they say, and we're going to be giving them away. That to me is, is, is absurd. Now, here's what happens in Europe. Over the weekend, The Hill reports tens of thousands protest COVID-19 restrictions in Central Europe. I mean, let's be real. It was all over the place. Politico reports, vaccines don't make you free. Thousands protest COVID-19 measures in Brussels. We have this property damaged in heated Luxembourg COVID protests in Belgium. Police use water cannons, tear gas on COVID-19 protesters. ABC News says thousands came to reject the new measures announced Friday. The third week in a row, the government has tightened its rules as an avalanche of new cases strains the country's health services depriving people with other life-threatening diseases of treatment, shouting freedom, freedom, and carrying banners that said, united for our freedom, rights, and our children. The protesters marched to the European Union headquarters. Some also carried signs critical of vaccines and against making vaccine slot shots mandatory. The main crowd in Sunday's mostly peaceful march, I love how they say that, mostly peaceful, had already dispersed when about 100 protesters ran into a riot police barricade, cordoning off access to, Euro to the European Commission. After a brief standoff with police, protesters hurtled trash and other objects, including a bicycle at police and set up firecrackers and flares. Police used water cannons and fired tear gas to disperse the crowd. There were no immediate reports of injuries. Now, I'm not a fan of clashing with cops. I'm not a fan of this kind of violence. And I'm not a fan of police spraying people down, you know, like this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, though, there's a hard limit for everybody. When we see far leftists trying to burn, burn down buildings and they're firebombing police trucks, I don't think you're solving anything. 
I don't think anyone here fighting with cops was solving anything. I got to be honest. I think peaceful protests actually work because it shifts perception and studies have shown this. This is this is just true. Black Lives Matter lost nearly all of their support. Actually, actually, this is true. January of 2020, Black Lives Matter saw major growth throughout the year for their cause, culminating with the George Floyd incident. And then after they started rioting, they lost all of the gains in support they had made that year. People do not want violence. People want to be left alone. And if they see government overreach, they don't feel left alone. But when they see you going out, throwing stuff and fighting and smashing things, they now feel like you are the problem. It's not perfect. You know, I have people ask me all the time, well, where's the line, Tim? I mean, if the government's trying to force you onto a train car to a camp, I'm like, yeah, maybe that's the line. OK, look, what's going on in Australia is a really great example of where the line has been crossed. There was a, a, a Holocaust Museum definition of concentration camp. It was posted by James Lindsay. And it said the difference between concentration camps and any other detainment is the lack of due process. People taken in violation of their rights. They're not given charges. They're not given, you know, uh, they're not given a court appearance. They're just literally taken in violation of due process. And they said that is what separates concentration camps from, you know, other kinds of detainment. Okay, well, I think we use the phrase concentration camp colloquially to refer to what happened in, you know, Nazi Germany. But I certainly think it's fair to say when they come to your house and we have witnesses testifying to this, uh, Haley Hodgson in the unheard interview, they said, you're coming with us. You have no choice. She's not been served a warrant. She's not faced any criminal charges. They're literally just taking her to a camp for two weeks. I mean, that is a jail sentence. You're not allowed to leave your porch. Take your mask off. We'll fine you $5,000. Yeah, that's internment at the very least. That's how bad it's getting. But one thing that I think, you know, needs to be brought up is what's happening in. Um, let me see if I can find this. Do we have this? I don't know if we do. We have this one from uh, Post Millennial. Shocking. In the wake of Austria's drastic lockdown of unvaccinated people, European Union chief calls for throwing out Nuremberg Code. This, I do not believe, is accurate. But it's technically correct. And I'm not a fan of the phrasing here because I did investigate this. And it turns out it's not necessarily the truth. From the BBC, COVID Omicron, time to consider mandatory jabs, EU chief says. Now, in this article, nowhere does she says, say we're going to throw out the Nuremberg Code or anything like that. That I didn't see. This came from a, an, indiv an individual who tweeted, Michael P. Sanger said shortly after Austria became the first country to make COVID vaccinations compulsory, EU chief Ursula, Ursula von der Leyen calls for dispensing with the Nuremberg Code and making vaccination mandatory across Europe. P Jordan Peterson then said, hey, it's just the Nuremberg Code, only what we learned from the Nazi atrocities, not, the, not least those that were medical. And that's true. But what actually happened is she said, there should be mandatory vaccinations or something to that effect. And the first rule, the first point of the Nuremberg Code is that all uh, it, all experimentation must be voluntary. Now, some people are arguing that because the vaccines are only under emergency use, use authorization and long term testing hasn't been done, they are currently still experimental. I'm just being careful in how I use language. Again, I say talk to your doctor. But the argument is, so long as they're under EUA and not FDA approved, and the current vaccines being dis uh, distributed here in the United States are not FDA approved, there's some contention over community. My understanding is that recently a, a, a judge ruled 
that you can't mandate a vaccine on the military unless it is FDA approved, which created a weird argument where people are like, hey, wait a minute. Is he saying that, you know, the difference between Pfizer's BioNTech vaccine and their official branded community is distinct as such? You can't mandate one. Look into it. I'm not going to make those assessments. The point is, I believe it's not entirely correct to say that the EU chief or whatever is saying to get rid of the Nuremberg Code. However, it does seem like she's actually dancing on the line. If we don't have long-term testing for the vaccines, and that's literally written in the insert for the community vaccine, the one that's been FDA approved, it says long-term data trials are underway and you know certain risks aren't known, then it stands to reason you could argue experimental. But I think it's important to be very distinct. She did not say to do away with this. I still think mandatory vaccination is completely wrong. Yeah. Okay. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So this is the BBC saying Ursula von der Leyen said vaccines would be crucial in the fight against the highly contagious new variant. Some two dozen countries have reported cases of Omicron. The uh, the World Health Organization, meanwhile, said early signs were that most cases were mild, which is good news. This this makes sense. It becomes more transmissible, but less less deadly. On Wednesday, von der Leyen said it was understandable and appropriate for EU members to discuss mandatory COVID vaccines, given that a third of the bloc's population was unvaccinated. How can we encourage and potentially think about mandatory vaccination within the European Union? This needs discussion. This needs a common approach. But it is a discussion that I think has to be led. Only individual EU states can enforce vaccine mandates, and some are already taking steps in that direction. Austria, Germany, this we understand. Here's a quote. It says, no sign vaccines won't work. The WHO, which declared Omicron of concern on Friday following its rapid spread in South Africa, said it will know more about the new variant within days. Omicron is becoming the dominant COVID strain in South Africa, where the daily number of recorded cases doubled on Wednesday. Officials there say the variant could be fueling the surge. However, the World Health Organization has already said it believes existing vaccines will still prevent severe disease among people who contract the new variant. Asked about the severity of cases, World Health Organization epidemiologist Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove said, there is some indication that some of the patients are presenting with mild disease. There is still suggestion of increased hospitalizations across South Africa, but this could be the sheer fact that we have more cases. And if you have more cases, you have more hospitalizations. Very important points. You got to be careful. You don't get torn in any direction. There are a lot of people who, you know, I've spoken with, even on Tim Guest IRL, who say the vaccines don't work. Now, truth be told, I've said these are, you know, I've insulted the vaccines. I've said they're crappy. And the reason is we are initially sold the bill of sale. Johnson and Johnson, one of done, one and done. Now we're being told you got to get another booster and probably you want to do mRNA stuff. We were sold a bill of sale, Pfizer and Moderna. One shot, follow it up, and then you're good. One shot in the vaccine minutes, but increasingly they are coming out with new data. And hey, that's the science, right? Science changes. And we're being told now that you need a booster because the efficacy of the vaccine may only be six months or whatever. Suffice it to say, there are a lot of people who, want to, who have told me 
and and, and I've said this on the sh- on IRL. We got to be very careful about correlation. They're like, look at this. You know, the, Belgium. You know, has x many x amount of per, uh, x percent of people are vaccinated, and now they're having all these cases, so they're locking down and riots are breaking out. And they take that to assume it means the vaccine doesn't work. I counter that with, it certainly means the initial uh, uh, the initial thing we were sold is not accurate, but it doesn't mean they don't work. It certainly means the media is telling us the truth when the efficacy is waning, right? Or at least the initial studies and reports. I shouldn't say the media is saying. I said the studies and reports are showing this. What I mean to say is what they're telling us now is likely going to be wrong. And that's science. So when they told us one thing, and now we're at the point where we're up to four vaccines in places like Israel and three in the United States, the booster shot, what will likely happen is you will have to get another booster shot later on. So the vaccine reduces transmissibility, which they've always said, reduces severity, which they've always always said, doesn't prevent breakthrough, which they've always said, but reduces the likelihood. Now they're saying, you you know, waning efficacy. I'm like, it's not like it's, it's not like, you know, what's been said has uh, right now is not accurately reflecting what's going on. That is to, it is important to then say what what they said back then was completely wrong. Here's my point. When they told us one and done, when they told us two shots and it turned out that wasn't the case, you're now going to have people outright saying, why should I believe you now? That's an important point. So don't talk to a doctor, talk to a trusted medical professional, because as much as people want to say they don't trust their doctors, I simply put it like I had a good doctor. I I had and have. And now I'm happy to have found a good doctor that I will consistently use. And that's the point of shopping around. It's weird to me that we live in this world, especially for people on the right who believe in private medical practice and don't like, you know, government regulation and stuff like that, but treat hospitals as if they're guaranteed one-stop shops. No, 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 no. I'm trying to get, you know, plumbing fixed or whatever. We've gone through th- septic stuff. We get, th- we go through gross, right? We go through three different companies. We go through one company and we say, okay, they're doing the job. And then we have a problem. We're like, let's try a different company. Imagine just thinking you can go to one doctor and be like, he's the best. No, you shop around. You get a second opinion. But the left is saying doctor shopping is a bad thing. And I'm like, why would I assume this guy's good at his job or this lady's good at her job? No, you got to look at the reviews and make sure they are good at their job. So I'll put it this way. I found a doctor that I think is a good doctor. You can do the same thing. You got to be careful about the left and the right in the media. I know. I think the left and the establishment more likely to be wrong and pushing lies. But then you'll get people who make mistakes about correlation. Hey, look at all these people who are vaccinated. They're getting sick. I'm like, yeah, well, when do they get vaccinated? In January? In February? Well, they're saying right now, outright, the efficacy has waned. And they didn't know that was going to happen. I don't think it's all completely nefarious. I certainly won't give them the benefit of the doubt. However, my point is, figure out what makes sense for you. And the government shouldn't be mandating things when they keep getting things wrong. They're going to come out and be like, everyone's got to do a jumping jack because it's good. And then they force people to do it. And then a month later, they're like, actually, those were bad. That's why I'm like, freedom, decentralization. Tell me I'm wrong on the science. Tell me you don't believe me. And I don't care. That's fine. Comment below. Let me know. Because I'll tell you this. I ain't a doctor. I ain't a scientist. And I don't know how to argue those points because I don't have all the studies pulled up. What I can tell you is freedom. And I can tell you the news. The government and the media and Fauci, they've been wrong on many things. So the mandates are a bad idea because they may be wrong again. But I don't know about the science or the medical practice because that's not my area of expertise. Policy is. And, and, and not even to a great degree, but to a degree enough where I can say 
we should have the right to decide for ourselves with our own medical practitioners. We shouldn't be arguing efficacy or immunity or any of that stuff, because then all we do is negotiate the terms of our medical mandates. Nah, not okay. Government shouldn't mandate this stuff. And if they keep doing this in Europe, you're going to get more riots and maybe even some here. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Alec Baldwin and his wife Hilaria have deleted their Twitter accounts. We don't know why. Maybe it's just the pressure, the constant criticism, and people are likely calling Alec Baldwin a murderer. Now, he does have another Twitter account for whatever reason, but it hasn't tweeted since October. But I guess his main account is officially defunct. And this is coming after last week. He gave an interview to George Stephanopoulos, and I got to say, it uh, seemed kind of incriminating to me. I, 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 after watching uh, uh, bits of the interview, I didn't watch the entire thing. I watched many clips. I watched some analysis. It just came off as kind of incriminating. Alec Baldwin was telling this story, and he was not describing this woman, Helena Hutchins, as his friend. And as he gets more into the details over what happened with the shooting, I got to tell you, It sounds to me like Alec Baldwin planned and intentionally murdered this woman. I'm not saying he did definitively. I'm just saying my opinion of the facts is as such. And I've I've said it from the beginning. Now, now, hold on, hold on. That's not fair. In the beginning, we said, whoa, accident. What happened? Because we were told that Alec Baldwin on the set with this woman, there was a misfire and a blank went off and there was shrapnel or something. That's what we were told initially probably crisis management seeding a false story so that everyone approaches the narrative of Alec Baldwin as it was just a horrible accident. But I don't believe that narrative. And I said, you know, within like a week or so, I was like, let's hold on a minute. Because the story is that Alec Baldwin had a single action revolver, which requires the hammer to be pulled and the trigger to be depressed. He was handed this weapon by the, the assistant director or whatever the guy's title is, not the armorer, and it had live ammo in it. And so I just said, you know what? I got to stop for a second. If how are we, appro- you know, when we first thought it was a blank, then I can understand like, hey, things happen. There was an accident. Alec Baldwin made a mistake or whatever. But when you start getting into these details, I said, why are we assuming that the one person trained to handle weapons, the armorer, was the person who made the mistake instead of Alec Baldwin? Well, do you watch Tim Castle? I said that, right? Alec Baldwin confirmed this fear. He outright says it in the interview. I got to get in this. The DA is saying, yeah, he's not in the clear. I think Alec Baldwin did this intentionally. Alec Baldwin said some things that I felt were incriminating in this interview, notably that he was asked by George Stephanopoulos, you know, why, why, why didn't you check the gun? And he said, well, no, you can't. I mean, if you're handed a weapon, you start fiddling with it, they'll stop and take it away from you. Because they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, that's really interesting. Let me, let me, let me slow down. Talk about Alec Baldwin's incriminating himself with that statement. If you are handed the gun by the armorer who has checked it and prepared it to make sure it is safe, and then you open it up and do anything, Alec Baldwin's argument is they'll take it from you because you may have tampered with it, right? That's the argument. It's a stupid argument because George Clooney said he always checks the weapon. But think about what that actually means when you are handed a weapon by the armorer. Now, he didn't say armor is like when the when the when the person who's, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like when you're handed a weapon and it's checked. Okay, 
it ha- they, they, they take it away from you if that's not the case. If, if you, or I'm sorry, they take it away from you if you fiddle with it. That says two things. Alec Baldwin knows he was not supposed to be handed the weapon by the AD. What did he say to George Stephanopoulos? If someone else handles it and fidgets with it or whatever, they take it away. So where was the armorer in this regard? Why was it that someone else handed him the gun? Now, again, that could be circumstantial evidence to say that this was, in fact, sabotage, that the AD slid the bullets in. Or it sounds to me like Alec Baldwin has a serious temper. In the interview, he's talking about how he says Helena Hutchins was an intense woman, no small talk. <laughs> it doesn't sound like someone who's friends. And I said this as well. Remember a week or so ago, he was talking about how she was my friend. She was my friend. We had just gone out to dinner. You went out to dinner. We knew that the crew was having problems, that people were walking off set on more than one occasion. It sounds to me like the dinner was, in fact, a negotiation. That's what I said, like having a private meeting to work out problems on set. In the interview, Alec Baldwin is, is, is talking about how he's pulling the weapon out for the scene, and she's filming. And he's saying, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Over and over again. It's almost like he couldn't help but have an anger problem. He's frustrated. She kept saying, you know, get, get the shot. Hold it like this. Hold it like this. I didn't get it. Do it again. Do it again. He's frustrated. He's angry. Now, I'll go one step further. You should, you should check out the analysis by Viva Fry, who goes over this. Now, Viva's view of this is that Alec Baldwin intentionally pulled the trigger, but didn't mean to kill her. And I suppose in his view, Alec Baldwin was given this gun with live ammo in it and was just doing what he was told. And finally, in frustration, was like, yeah, and he just snapped the trigger because he was going to click it at her. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't see that. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, hey, uh, Viva has a great video breaking all of this down, going through how Alec Baldwin has, has rage issues, I'll also, uh, and, and he does, he does. But I'll also point out a few things. You know, Alec Baldwin has been physical with people, but I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, all of these things in the past prove that he's such a rageaholic that he wouldn't have been clear-minded to commit. Like, how can I say this? I don't think he's a lunatic who just goes off and snaps. I think he gets angry. And the few instances, you know, we've seen, it's like, well, he called his his daughter, what do you call her, a disgusting little pig or something. There's him fighting with the paparazzi guy. There's him. He shoved the guy and he got in trouble for it. He's got rage issues. Yeah, no, I think Alec Baldwin knows he's not supposed to be handed the weapon by someone who's not the armor. He says that in the interview. To effectively, in fact, I want to be careful. He basically says, if you're given the weapon and you fiddle with it, they'll take it from you. That says to me that he understands he can't manipulate this, but that also means he would understand the AD would not be handing him the weapon. So here's my view. My view is that Alec Baldwin was having problems on the movie. He's, he's tired. He's frustrated. He's old. You know, he's doing these movies. And as he explains in, in the interview, Helena Hutchins was a cinematographer. He's like, normally you don't, you don't talk to the cinematographer. It really felt like he was venting. Like he really just wanted to say, don't blame me. She was an effing bee. Like she was yelling at me and she was telling me what to do and she couldn't do her stupid job. And then I just wanted to bam. I think he just lost it. I think he just got angry. 
He was explaining in the scene where he was pulling out the gun. He was like over and over again. And he kept saying, did you get it? He says she told him, pull the hammer back. And then when he released it, it snapped. Bullet went off. How did the bullet get in the gun? Maybe Alec Baldwin wasn't the only one who disliked Helena Hutchins. I don't know. This is all mystery, you know, speculation. We have no idea what that murder, mystery, true crime. But it could be that other people on the set didn't like her as well. When George Stephanopoulos was asking uh, Baldwin about this, he said he didn't say she was a kind and warm person. No, he said she was intense. She was an intense woman and that she would come in and there was no small talk. It was, yeah, great. Okay, let's get to work. She knew, get to work, get to work. And they also mentioned that she was the kind of woman who was succeeding in a male dominated field. I don't know if that means anything, but I think Alec Baldwin, the way he sat down and described this and the reason he deleted his Twitter account is that I believe this interview actually incriminated him to a certain degree. He explained how he pulled out the gun, pulled the hammer back, and released it. He says he didn't pull the trigger. That's complete bunk. We actually have this, this, this interesting breakdown. I don't think it's, this, this one's just showing that his, his Twitter account's been deleted. But we have an interesting breakdown. I think uh, TMZ might have it. You've got this, uh, this dude here. Baldwin's explanation uh, uh, for how he fired the fatal shot isn't holding water with weapons expert Steve Wolf, who says the no trigger theory is possible, but there were several other mistakes made on the set. So this is a guy he's explaining, um, I think it was on CNN, how a single action revolver works and why it's, it, it, it wouldn't play out the way that Alec Baldwin claimed. When you pull the hammer back, it clicks. It doesn't. So uh, uh, there's like multiple, uh, I forgot what they're called. But it's basically like a, um, it's got latches. You pull the hammer back a little bit, it'll click and stop. And you need to depress the trigger slowly to release it. You pull it back twice and then three times. There's no way Alec Baldwin could have pulled it back even a little bit and let go and it would snap forward. It gets locked in place on purpose. So Alec Baldwin, frustrated with this woman, in my opinion, or at the very least, let's put it this way. Let's break it down. Being told over and over again, get the shot, get the shot. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Do it like this. Do it like this. Do it like this. He's frustrated. And apparently there were problems with the crew. So I don't think it was this one moment where he was just like, ah, and he put a bolt in the gun and shot her. He claims he didn't check the gun. He claims he didn't pull the trigger. That's not possible unless the gun was just broken. But apparently they were using it for target practice earlier, in which case, He pulled the hammer back and then pulled the trigger. Now, this weapons expert said what may have happened is that Baldwin had the trigger depressed the whole time, was holding it improperly. Don't buy it for a second. Alec Baldwin has had decades on set and firearms training. And check this out. We have this one from the Indian Express. Uh, Alec Baldwin fires back after George Clooney's comments on rust shooting. It really didn't help the situation. George Clooney has had said about the rust movie tragedy on the on the WTF on WTF with Mark Marin podcast that he always checked the gun on movie sets when he's handed one. He had underlined that he's extremely careful with guns on movie sets. Alec Baldwin responds. I wonder why it is that you actually need real guns on movie sets. Seriously. Why, why do they have to use real guns? They said it was a prop gun. You see how they lied initially? It was a prop gun. No, it wasn't. It was a real gun. It was a real single action revolver. And then we didn't even know it was a single action. I mean, the details that come out just keep digging deeper and deeper for Alec Baldwin. TMZ says, 
Baldwin's claim he's not responsible for Helena Hutchins' death is not echoed by the woman by the woman leading the Rust shooting investigation. Instead, she says Baldwin and several others could still be charged. During his sit down with George Stephanopoulos, Baldwin said he didn't feel guilt over what went down. As he put it, someone is responsible for what happened. And I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. No, it is you. You pulled out a gun. You pulled the hammer back. You pulled the trigger. Unless the gun was broken, which I really doubt. And so that's uh, your responsibility. Andrew Brank, a law of self-defense, said nothing in his interview changes his perception of what is involuntary manslaughter. I, I think on the surface, without speculation, fair point. You know, Viva Fry, again, excellent uh, uh, breaking all, breaking, uh, analysis, breaking all it down. But I also feel like it, it's, it's a leap. It's an assumption to be like, this is all just a big accident. So the armorer made a mistake. Then the AD, who wasn't supposed to have the gun, made a mistake. Then gave it to Alec Baldwin, who made a mistake. Alec Baldwin claims he was told by Helena Hutchins to depress, the, to pull the hammer back. I call bull-ish. The, the, the script supervisor said the scene did not call for him to pull the weapon and point it at her. And you also have the, 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 the chief electrician, I guess, or one of the electricians suing, saying the scene did not call for this. Apparently, more than one person knew. Now, could it be in the interview with George Stephanopoulos, Alec Baldwin says the scene was incidental or something to that effect, meaning they didn't need it, meaning the scene maybe didn't call for it. But maybe Helena Hutchins was making Alec Baldwin do things he didn't want to do, things that weren't in the script. And it was so annoying. And this guy's a rage hall OK, maybe that's not fair. I, I, I do think it's maybe not fair to say he's a rage hall or anything like that, but he's a temper. That's fair to say for sure. We've seen it. So now he's dealing with a cinematographer. He's an A-lister. He's frustrated. He's tired. He's at work. The crew has been complaining nonstop. There have been people walking off and he's just like, why is this woman doing this? And then he decides to shoot her. Now, I think there's a fair point in that it may be slightly more probable the, uh, the assistant director hands the gun to Baldwin because he doesn't like this lady. And he's like, good, I hope Baldwin shoots her. But that's just a big leap of faith, a big, a big leap of assumption. The problem is, as much as I personally don't want to believe that Alec Baldwin snapped open the cylinder, dropped in a live round, cl- closed it, and then bang, shot her, it makes more sense than anything else. And I'm sick of pretending just because Alec Baldwin's a celebrity, he's not capable of cold-blooded murder. It's, re- it's remarkable. It's remarkable that people are like, oh, you have no idea. It's, it, that didn't happen. It's a movie set. And I'm like, dude. You would have me believe that the armorer accidentally, that, that live rounds were just accidentally left right next to the, to, the, to the squibs or the blank rounds, that the live rounds were accidentally put in by uh, Hannah, uh, uh, what's her, Gutierrez Rita thing her name is, the armorer, that she accidentally does this. Then the assistant director picks up the gun, even though he's not supposed to, and hands it to Alec Baldwin, who knows gun safety protocol and all that stuff, and decides for whatever reason, to point the gun. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Helena Hutchins who told him to point the gun at her. <laughs> yeah, the cinematographer who died was like, Alec, can you please point the gun at me? Yes. Point the gun at me and pull the hammer back. That is insane. I'm sorry. It is absolutely insane to believe Alec Baldwin's story. It may be true. Innocent until proven guilty. I'm fine with that. But let's slow down for a minute and just say the woman who took a bullet to the chest and died, according to Alec Baldwin's story, asked him to draw the gun, point it at her, pull the hammer back, and then it went off. Spare me. 
But the, the woman who died was the one who told me to shoot her. That's insane. I'm, you know, I, I, what, what bothers me, and you know what really drove me to the point of, of near obsession on this story, is that I was reading the news about the electrician who said he wasn't supposed to have the gun, or he wasn't supposed to point the gun in the scene. The script supervisor says he wasn't supposed to have been given the gun by that guy. And that he wasn't supposed to point the gun, let alone pull the hammer back and shoot it. All of that comes out. And I said, guys, it sounds like he's a, he's a, he got angry and he intentionally shot this woman. What makes more sense? That Alec Baldwin knew he wasn't supposed to be handed a weapon by this AD and either uh, the armorer or the AD intentionally or accidentally loaded live rounds into it. It is such a tremendous leap of faith to believe all of that, as opposed to Alec Baldwin was given the gun, put a bullet in it and said, I can't stand this woman. I am sick of this BS and just shot her. And I tell you why, because Alec Baldwin said in the interview, she told me to pull the hammer back. She wanted me to draw the gun. And he said, I'm showing her. I'm showing her. All of this stuff together. And I went from an accident on set to you are lying. But I will say, I will say, innocent until proven guilty. But if he wants to come out and give this testimony, which just, in my opinion, and it's probably confirmation advice, it's probably what I'm looking for. So keep that in mind. There's probably other things that may have been good for him. I mean, I'll tell you this. When he pointed out that the reason he didn't check the weapon is because if you're not a weapon specialist and the weapon specialist hands you a gun, and then you manipulate it in some way by opening it up, they have to check again to make sure there's no live rounds in it. So, okay, it's an interesting argument. It's still a rather dumb one because then what the actors are never responsible for holding weapons and pointing them and shooting them. And it also just shows that Alec Baldwin knew it was the weapon specialist who was supposed to give him the gun. It was pro- it's incriminating in my opinion. So, so Mr. Baldwin, when you, when you said that you couldn't check the gun because they would take it from you to check it to make sure it wasn't tampered with. You were also saying that you know only the weapon specialist should be handing you the gun. And then he's, and then what? Well, well, yeah. And that if someone else were to hand you the gun, that could mean the weapon was manipulated and it should only go from the armorer. And he said, it's a war, it was a prop guy. It's a word I've never heard before. So let me break it down. If Alec Baldwin is saying the prop person hands you the gun, and then you're relying on them to have gotten it right. Why, for the love of all that is holy, would he disregard that this one time when someone else handed him the gun? Because he's lying. Because in my opinion, it is more likely, not saying definitive, not saying greater than 51% chance, I'm saying the greater probability lies in Alec Baldwin putting a bullet in the gun and shooting her. Otherwise, I have to believe, let me break it down. I would have to believe that Hannah, the armorer, took a gun, opened it up because someone because someone accidentally put live bullets next to the squibs or in the box. She loads live bullets into it, then puts it down. And then bumbly old AD walks over and grabs the gun without checking it, hands it to Alec Baldwin, who knows he's not supposed to get it from this guy without checking it, is then told by the cinematographer to point the gun at her, pull the hammer back and pull the trigger. That is the stupidest story I have ever heard. But it's possible because sometimes people win the lottery. But giving this interview, in my opinion, was just incriminating. And of course, celebrities are rallying around him. The funniest thing about this was when I was like, I think they should be investigating this as murder. And maybe they are. 
not involuntary manslaughter. Oh, look, look, look. Branka is, is very great at this self-defense lawyer. And he breaks down like based on what we know so far that's been reported, sounds like involuntary manslaughter. And I think that is true and correct based on what's officially been reported through witnesses, involuntary manslaughter, if we're giving the benefit of the doubt. Like, it's a movie set. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like We, we the cinematographer who was shot and killed, asked Alec Baldwin to point the gun at her and pull the hammer back. That is, that is insane. Could you, oh, oh, I'm sorry. It was sabotage. Baldwin was framed. By the cinematographer who got shot herself. She was like, haha, I'll have him point the gun at me and then shoot me. That'll what? No. Could be a freak accident. But there are so many variables in there. For it to be an accident, you're not gonna you're not gonna get me to play that game. I will admit outright it may have been an accident. But that is not where the probability lies. In the absence of evidence, the solution that requires the least amount of assumptions tends to be the correct one. Alec Baldwin, so we have to, we, we, we don't have to, Alec Baldwin has, has a temper problem. That is not an assumption. Alec Baldwin was having fights with the crews. That is not an assumption. Crew members were walking off set. That is not an assumption. Alec Baldwin described her as a friend, had a previous meeting, but said she was intense, no small talk, and was having him repeatedly do the scene over and over again. Those are not assumptions. Those are facts of the case. Assumptions would be someone must have accidentally put a, put a bullet in a gun. Someone accidentally picked up the gun when they shouldn't have. Alec Baldwin just slipped his mind that he was getting a gun from someone he's not supposed to get it from. And he knows this because he even explained that's why he didn't check it in the first place. But let's just be real. When Alec Baldwin said, I didn't check it because if I fiddle with it, they'll take it from me. So when the expert gives it to you, you don't check it. But when random dude gives it to you, you also decide not to check it by your own logic. If another, if a third party is a two, you're supposed to have someone come and check it. Dude is lying about what happened. Of course, celebrities are rallying around him. I can't get over this because so many people, I mean, look, I get it. He's a party member. He says, you know, following this interview, he shared a post on social media. No matter what happens to me, no matter what I suffer, I, if I win or lose anything, anything, no one can take away from me the joy and love you have given me. Hilaria Baldwin. These are tough times. The world is choked with fumes of hate, but you have given me a reason to live. Our life with our family is all I care about. Nothing else. I owe that to you. Could Alec Baldwin have been framed by disgruntled crew members? Sure, I guess. But that's a conspiracy theory. It literally is that the crew members or someone conspired against him to get him to kill the cinematographer. And for what reason? The simple solution is, and maybe not the correct one, but with a tendency towards it, that Alec Baldwin intentionally shot and killed that woman, that it's Alec Baldwin who put the bullets in the gun, because if he was handed the gun from the armorer and he put a bullet in it, they would have stopped it. But if he was handed the gun from a rando and he put the bullet in it, he could have been like, oh, 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 right? Whatever, whatever. We'll see. He nuked his Twitter account. I don't think this looks good for him. Giving an interview was a mistake. I'm surprised people are still working. Well, who, who, what, what lawyer told him to go speak? I will tell you this. Too, much to even your own detriment, lawyers will tell you not to speak publicly about things because people who do tend to lose. But sometimes there are moments when speaking publicly is important and your lawyers will still be like, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I'll be like, nah, some things you have to do. But in an instance like this, bro, you got a fifth amendment for a reason. So Alec Baldwin, I think, is going to get in trouble, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. 
I think it's fair to say at this point, we're just gloating. The Jesse Smollett trial is so laughably bad for Jesse that doing segments like this is just so that y'all can grab some popcorn and a beer, sit back and laugh. But we can talk about celebrity, the changing landscape. There are some things happening. I mean, CNN's in flames. People are realizing the hoaxes. They're realizing the lies. And part of that unraveling is the Jesse Smollett trial. It's the story of Jesse Smollett. Now, I think it's fair to say he's innocent until proven guilty. Personally, I think the evidence speaks for itself. But considering the defense hasn't offered up anything at all at this point, I think most of us have seen enough evidence to reasonably conclude that Smollett is a liar, that he staged a hate crime against himself, probably to increase his salary and use it to generate press. And for this, trust in media was seriously damaged. Trust in celebrity was seriously damaged. Right now, it is being reported Justice Millett may take the stand as it's his only option. There's no real evidence in his defense. And I got to be honest, he probably shouldn't. He should probably at this point go back to the DA and say, please, I'll take whatever you give me. The Smollett defense team has now tried twice to trigger a mistrial. They're simply trying to delay the inevitable. Justice Smollett will be convicted. He will be a felon. And thus, the narrative will continue to erode ever so much more. Just a little bit, a little bit. You see, after Smollett came out and made up all these lies, all of these celebrities, all these TV shows, and everyone in the media was like, oh no, I can't believe that at two in the morning in Chicago, in an area that's, that's sparsely populated, two Trump supporters would recognize a gay a a a actor from uh, Empire, and they were homophobic and white and wearing MAGA hats, carrying a noose and bleach and yelled, this is MAGA country. That is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I got to be honest, I've heard some pretty dumb things. Sometimes I say them, to be completely fair. But I've also heard Alec Baldwin's story where he was like, the woman I shot and killed told me to point the gun at her and pull the hammer back. I swear. Talk about dumb stories. Well, now we get to see exactly what's going on here. And uh, for Jesse Smollett, twice now, mistrial attempts. The first is when their defense attorney said the judge lunged at me and the judge was like, shut up. Yeah, how are you going to get a mistrial? They're trying to get the judge to be forced to like to be recused or whatever. This is insane. And now they're saying that they weren't able to effectively cross-examine. I, I, I'm excited. Today, they're saying Smollett may testify. They're saying the defense may rest its case. Deliberations could come back, I guess, as soon as Thursday. And then when they say guilty, we can all hold up that big sign saying y'all were wrong about Jussie Smollett. Now, to be fair, I think most of us have already done that. But don't let this one go. Christmas is a coming. And if you find yourself in a situation, now I would never encourage arguing with family members about politics, but if they try and come at you, first, it's not about deflecting. Don't deflect. If they say, you know, Donald Trump did X, if he did, acknowledge it. And you can say, but you got to understand when it comes to trust in media, when it comes to trust in, say, people like Fauci, we have to contend with the fact that there have been numerous stories that have been lies. The Covington kids story was a lie. OK, many people lied. Now, the media may have just gotten it wrong, but a lot of people pushed that lie and the media didn't fact check. You have Russiagate. We spent three years in, I, I in good faith saying, OK, let's see what the evidence is. We have many more stories. I mean, Ukraine gate, for instance, they tried claiming that there was no investigation into the founder of Burisma and that Trump was wrong to ask about Joe Biden's quid pro quo. That was a lie. We know everything that happened now, thanks to reporters like Matt Taibbi, not a conservative, by the way. And now we have Jesse Smollett. You just simply say, look, I understand you're mad about Trump. You don't like those policies. That's completely respectable. Agreed. But you got to understand half of that is just lies more than half. 
And then you can use this as an example. Say we're, we're in the midst of the Jesse Smollett trial. And it turns out he makes the whole thing up. Oh, you can't just say, no, it's not about one thing. It's about this. It's about Covington. It's about Russiagate. It's about the Shinzo Abe fish thing. It's about Trump getting two scoops of ice cream or Trump's salt and pepper shakers bigger. Yo, you can have a reasonable opinion about why you don't like Trump. I respect that. A lot of things about the guy I don't like, and I've always voiced that. But when you lie or when they lie and you get caught up in it, don't be surprised when people are like, dude, that's not true. Here's a story from Breitbart. The judge in the Justice Millette trial has denied a motion for a mistrial after the defense claimed they were not able to properly cross-examine one of the accused Osendiro brothers. The case seeks to determine whether Smollett, a gay black man, lied to police in 2019 when he said he was the victim of an alleged hate crime attack in Chicago in January of that year. Prosecutors allege the disgraced actor paid $3,500 to two brothers. Abimbola, okay, so, so we, we know all of this, right, right? On Thursday, Smollett's attorney, Tamara Walker, requested a mistrial over her claims, Cook County Judge James Lynn, of physically lunging at her. CBS News reports. Uh, uh, reports say the encounter happened during a sidebar conversation with attorneys from both sides and Judge Lynn. The judge denied the accusations and also denied the motion for a mistrial. Walker reportedly appeared to be close to tears while debating with the judge and left the courtroom with her mother. <laughs> what? While the rest of Smollett's team continued to ask for a mistrial. The heated exchange came after cross-examination of Olabinjo Osandairo, who said Jesse Smollett paid him and his brother to stage the hate crime against the Empire star. During the questioning, the judge called the line of questioning collateral in front of the jury, claiming it didn't have the relevance. It didn't have any relevance to the crime Smollett is on trial for. The judge's response prompted Walker to ask for a sidebar, but the alleged threat was made during the sidebar. The state has now rested its case. Okay, so this this may be one mistrial claim. It, it sounds like there's two, like she was lunged at and also that they weren't allowed to question properly, but then they went to the sidebar and then a threat was made or something like that. So maybe it was one time. Maybe I'm wrong about that. The state has now rested its case. After a three-day presentation of evidence, Special Prosecutor Dan Webb told the presiding judge Thursday evening the prosecution was done. The defense began its case immediately, calling him, among others, an emergency room physician who saw Smollett after the purported attack. Judge Lynn later told jurors he expected they would resume deliberations no later than Tuesday. Wow. Okay. So maybe uh, uh, it's not Thursday. Maybe we're going to get a verdict very quickly. Sounds like they don't have a defense and this will all be over very, very quickly. Now it's being reported, I guess. Um, they're expecting him to testify. Justice Mallette may have to testify to convince the jury of his case. Legal experts say in the Wall Street Journal has this story, uh, this this opinion piece. Well, I don't know. They say they say Justice Mallette taking the stand is seen as risky potential defense tactic. Former Empire actor accused of staging the hate crime would be the latest defendant in a high profile trial to testify. Now, I don't know if you will. By the time you're watching this, maybe he already has. But suffice it to say. Everything I've seen so far shows, I mean, what, their lawyer was there with her mom and like cried and then ran out of the courtroom? Yo, what is going on? You know, this past weekend I was hanging out, there's a, there's a casino and horse track race, and they were talking about this one underdog uh, you know, horse or whatever. And I was like, what if this all is a simulation? What if we live in a simulation or it's a scripted universe of a video game with a storyline and we are all but ancillary characters and the main character is somewhere else who knows. When I see the sheer absurdity 
that is this case. When I see everything going on in politics, I can't help but say it is all a miracle because it defies probability. And when so many things defy probability that you're a you're hundred times beyond the lottery tickets chance of winning, I'm just like, eh, there must be something going on. I know people who are religious are probably like, ah, you see it. You see it in the universe. Well, look, I'm half kidding. My point is, Jesse Smollett stages this thing, allegedly. The brothers come out and they're like, yeah, he did it. Jesse Smollett's defense is that they're sophisticated criminals who try to frame him. And then the, one of the cops was like, but he told us the perpetrators were white. Like, he lied. Now you have his defense attorney apparently uh, running out of the courtroom crying with her mom. What? Is this a sitcom? I've seen sitcoms with crazier writing. This is seriously. But I'll tell you what's really getting crazy. The reason, I, the reason I think this is worth talking about beyond just the fact that we can all, you know, gloat and sit back and laugh as dude's being exposed is that I think it plays a real role in why people are starting to wake up. And let me show you this, this tweet here that, that went uh, viral among the anti-establishment. I don't want to say they're right because it's not true. Joy Reid said, so y'all know this is fascisty bananas, right? And the story was DeSantis proposes a new civilian military force in Florida that he would control. Sarah Silverman, she's in that new awful show, Santa Inc. She said, please read the article before you post this stuff. You're a news outlet. The truth has to matter. Whoa, Sarah, what is what is this? You're fighting the good fight. Uh, what do we have? Stephen L. Miller says, drag her queen. Yes. And then you have someone responding saying, Sarah, not great when this guy is defending you. Uh, actually, yeah, it is great. The great unifier, Sarah Silverman. You see, she comes out, speaks the truth, challenges the establishment, and now she has left and right saying, ah, oh, we unite behind the, the, the slay queen, you know, uh, Sarah Silverman. I'm kidding, by the way. But the point is, something happened. Something's happening. I think people are starting to wake up. More and more people are realizing it. Look at what happens in Virginia and New Jersey with these elections. People are like, I ain't voting for these Democrats. Yo, the lies of the, of the mainstream corporate press are not working. They're working a little bit. They have tremendous influence. People like Sarah Silverman have been coming out. Check it, take a look at this one. This one's really amazing. This is from November 19th. It's a couple weeks ago. So let me just say this. This tweet where she said the truth has to matter is from December 3rd. Take a look at this from Sarah Silverman's podcast. This one didn't get a whole lot of play among the right for the most part. This is her saying the left is lying. Let me play this clip. She posted this clip. Let me play it for you. And I see it on the right and I see it on the left too. You know, Joe Rogan took horse dewormer. Yes, it's a horse dewormer, but it's also a medication that's given to humans often on the regular for different things. It, it, to, to, you know that. I mean, if you work in news, you know that. The left knows it. But what do they call it? Horse dewormer every single time. And it's not honest. It's to make those people look stupid. Bravo. And I don't like that shit. Bravo, Listen, Sarah a lot of those Silverman. people look stupid just fine on their own. But when you... If you're going to fudge the truth... To make people seem crazy, uh, then you've lost your standing with me. I'm liberal as fuck, but if what is true isn't most important to you, then you lost me. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for the swearing. I'll make sure to put when I upload this to the podcast the explicit warning on it, but uh, I, I'm, I'm all for it. She's completely right. 
You know she's right because we talk about this stuff all the time. But it's surprising to see someone like Sarah Silverman coming out. And maybe it's because of Covington. Maybe it's because of Jesse Smollett. But mostly I think it might be because of Joe Rogan. I was thinking about this the other day. I went to, um, where was I at? I was at uh, Zoomies. I was buying a coat. It's getting cold out. I had to get a jacket. And, you know, one of the guys there was just like, you look familiar. Do you skate at the skate park? Do I know? I'm like, I don't And I was like, I don't, I don't know. If he doesn't know who I am, he doesn't know who I am. I was like, no, no, probably not. I was like, oh, whatever. But then as he's gripping, I was, I was getting a new board too. As he was gripping my board, he mentions that he likes listening to podcasts. And I was like, which one? He said, Joe Rogan. And I'm like, Joe Rogan, man, it's crazy to think that here I am in this, 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 this Zoomies and they've got this thing on the wall about like Brianna Taylor, no joke, and like wokeism. And this guy says he listens to Joe Rogan. And I'm like, that's probably saving like the fabric of our reality. Isn't it weird to say? Never, never I, I mean, I'm, it might sound silly to a lot of people. The left probably hates it. But I think it's absolutely true that Joe Rogan is like the fabric holding this country together with all of his MMA might. He's a ripped guy. You guys probably know this. And he's holding together the left and the right, because if people didn't have that that uh, show to listen to, what would they be believing? When Joe Rogan, when they're accusing him of taking horse dewormer, when, horse dewormer, when he was prescribed a medication, and I'm not advocating for any medications, I think if you talk to your doctor, they prescribe something, you should listen to your doctor, okay? CNN comes out, calls it horse dewormer. They defend this, tripling down. It is, it is, it is. And then it's Sarah Silverman coming out and being like, dude, that's not honest. Sarah, much respect. Got a request for you. Santa Inc. is a terrible show. It's got really bad ratings. You're in it. Seth Rogen claims it's white supremacists who are mad about it. Hey, why don't you now, and I mean this with all due respect, so seriously, because I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm uh, uh, grateful. Sarah, did you come calling out the lies? When they just blindly call everyone a white supremacist, it's the same thing. They claim everyone's taking horse dewormer. They claim everyone's a white supremacist. Tell Seth, yo, chill out. That's not honest. Some people just don't like your show. But congratulations on getting free publicity, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see Sarah, Silver, uh, Sarah Silverman coming out and pointing this stuff out. And don't forget, it's not just that. It's what's happening to, uh, to CNN. Brian Stelter tweets, Axios AM's lead this morning, the rights echo chamber is so much bigger than merely TV and radio. I mean, that's a lie. Conservatives are building their own apps, phones, cryptocurrencies, and publishing houses to circumvent the mainstream tech and media ecosystem. That's the truth. But does it mean there's an echo chamber? What I said was echo chamber implies more than this data shows. Listening to right-wing media does not mean you stop listening to left-wing media. But a big reason for the growth is trust, exemplified by CNN taking as long as it did to fire Cuomo. Cuomo staged his quarantine, and we all know. Even the New York Times pointed it out. Here's what we're seeing. Right wing builds its own echo chamber. This is the lie. This is the lie. Is it an echo chamber if you have a media outlet? No, because if that were the case, we would just say, well, then the entirety of corporate press is the leftist echo chamber. And I do mean leftist across the board, not just, uh, you know, establishment. I also mean, you know, progressive left. Maybe not the dirtbag left and the commie tankies, but, you know, they get a lot of progressives in there, too. They're very woke. Right wing builds its own echo chamber. Uh, no. How about right wing builds competition to existing corporate media infrastructure? And they say monthly downloads of right wing apps. You've got the Daily Wire. Look at that. The Daily Wire getting like 84,000. 
You've got MeWe Network, 96,000. That's crazy on one end, 127. Wow. So it's a lot of downloads. Rumble from zero to 149K. And they say conservatives are aggressively building their own apps. Yeah, we get it. Many of these efforts couldn't exist without the backing of major corporate figures and billionaires. It's not clear whether the demand will match supply. I mean, uh, look at the downloads. What do you mean? Rumble, they announced, you know, Rumble uh, did a SPAC merger. So they've, they're valued at $2.1 billion. Donald Trump's new social media company, Truth Social, has plans to go public via SPAC. And on Saturday said it secured a billion dollars in so-called pipe financing. I'm not a fan of any of that, to be completely honest. I think we need privately owned, principally led, and decentralized networks. Mostly we need decentralized networks, but I'll take privately owned from someone we know and trust. Public funding can be iffy. But you see what they do? You see how they play this dirty game? It's a right-wing echo chamber. Now, to be fair to Brian Stelter, he said their lead this, uh, uh, their lead this morning is that there's an echo chamber. I'm not going to accuse Brian Stelter of saying it himself, though I'm, sur- I'm sure he certainly agrees with it. If I make, uh, um, let's, let's, let's put it this way. I start uh, making my own orange juice. I buy oranges. I make orange juice. And then they say, Tim Poole is on an orange juice diet. And I'm like, what? I have orange juice. It doesn't mean I'm only drinking it. I have hot dogs just a moment ago. Calling it an echo chamber is to imply the right isn't getting any information from the, from the left. And that's not true. In fact, what separates the left and the right and moderates from the left so uh, uh, there's been numerous uh, polls and studies done showing moderates get, six, get a th- two-thirds of their news from corporate press and a third from conservative, and conservatives get two-thirds from, corpor- uh, f- from conservative news and one-third from corporate press, whereas liberals get 95% of their news from corporate sources. Suffice it to say, the data shows the right is not in the echo chamber, nor are the moderates. It's the left, and that explains why moderates and conservatives kind of agree on a lot of things, more so now in the culture war. But let me just explain. It's very simple. From Brian Stelter at CNN. CNN fires Chris Cuomo. Oh, only now. And why? Because years ago he was accused of harassing women at ABC or something. Spare me your corporate bull. Cuomo pretended he was under quarantine. Pretended. He was not. He was not under quarantine. That was not true. He went out to his property, got into a fight with some guy, went on the radio, talked all about it. And then later on, CNN filmed him emerging from his basement as if he was under quarantine. And, you know, I talked to Joe about it. And as much as I can give him praise, I believe it was Joe was mentioning this to me on a show. He's like, yeah, well, that was a producer who told him to do it. And I'm like, what, what is it? What, but he still faked it. He still staged it. He still staged it. It was, uh, you know, and look, I think it's great that I can, we, we, we can have uh, someone like Joe, but disagree with him. When Sanjay Gupta wrote, a, wrote an essay, he said part of him was scared that Joe Rogan was going to jump the table and throttle his neck. And Joe said, ah, he's just trying to be funny. And I'm like, what? look, okay, fine. That's your opinion with respect, but I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This is a guy, Sanjay Gupta said he never had a three hour conversation with someone before, which to me is insane. I mean, for me growing up, we all would hang out at parties and just sit there like, watching, you know, with music on drinking for hours and just talking about stuff. People would hang out on the stoop with, with, a, with a 40 or whatever. And this is a guy who's like, I've never had a conversation that lasted three hours. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, haven't you been with family over the holidays where you're just like sitting in the living room as the turkey's in the oven for like five hours and you're just talking about stuff? It's weird. It is. And I don't think you should give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'll tell you this. People trust uh, uh, Rogan. They trust his show. 
They trust independent media and the tides are changing. And this could be what prevents major collapse in the culture war. As more and more people start breaking out of the matrix and waking up, the establishment, the machines are, are eventually losing. They're losing more and more power, more and more control and more and more influence is being taken from them. I'd like to thank our good friend Jesse Smollett for helping uh, um, exacerbate this, this problem for the, the establishment in that by staging this ridiculous hate crime, allegedly, many people saw this and said, I'm being lied to. One more grain of sand in the heap of us realizing the lies and the manipulation and good because time people started breaking away from this stuff. So I think by tomorrow, maybe we'll find out Justice Millette is a guilty and that'll be big. So I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. We'll get serious and talk about some serious news, a little celebrity gossip for this morning, but I think it does matter. Celebrities have great influence over our culture and they're starting to lose it. Uh, you know, real quick, I was talking to some guys 10 years ago at this conference and I said, fame as we know it is going away. And they refused to believe that's not true. It'll never happen. And I said, the internet has made it so there's no longer, you know, five channels. There's millions. So there may be people who are more famous than others, but it's not going to be like there's these A-listers who walk around anymore. You know, uh, there, there are certain people that are really famous. You know, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me shout out somebody. Let's say uh, Aurelian Gerard. Gerard, how do I pronounce your name? Probably one of the best skateboarders in the world right now, but you probably never heard that name. To skateboarders, he's the most famous guy ever. To you, not so much. What's happening with the internet is more and more subcultures are emerging, which means there is fame, but it's not like Walter Cronkite level, the, uh, you know, the only guy on TV everyone knows and trusts. It's breaking apart. This is good. Decentraliz decentralization is good. I'll leave it there. I'll see y'all at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out.